Welcome back, everyone, to our Hometown History episode tonight, 4.4. We're at the Redland Library. Redland. Redland. What did I say? Lion. Oh, oh, darn it. Oh, yep, yep. I'm from Yo, so Redland. <laughs> no excuses. Yeah, Redland. I'm a northerner now. Um, we just filmed a really interesting episode on um, local writers and authors and researchers, so you can watch that on Facebook. But now we've got Silas Chamberlain here to talk about his book. Um, Silas, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So you wrote a book called On the Trail, A History of American Hiking. Mm -hmm. What could you give the listeners and audience like a brief snapshot of what it's about? Sure. So um, the history, it's really a, just what it says, A History of American Hiking, which sounds deceptively simple, uh, but the history of hiking really begins in the early 19th century with walking clubs at the time where people are being freed from walking long distances because of the beginning of trolley systems and railroads and walkable cities and uh, really picks up in the early 20th century with personal automobiles becoming more common and then explodes in the 1960s with the environmental movement. Uh, but the hiking community changes a lot during that time and that's one of the things I tried to capture. But uh, early on when I asked my professors at Lehigh if I could write a dissertation about hiking, they were like, uh, does anybody really Really? Like everybody always wants to write about their hobbies, mm -hmm. and that's the way they're looking at it. So mm -hmm. really an important part of the book was justifying hiking as an important historical topic in its own right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what do you want people to take away from the book? What was your thesis when you decided, okay, hiking's a hobby, but it's also historically important? So, mm -hmm. so I try to trace uh, hiking as this communal activity to hiking as this more individual activity. So for most of the first century of hiking, it was all about going out in large groups. Um, hiking was like on par with if you were a member of Rotary or the Elks Club or something where your hiking club was a big part of your identity. And so York had a hiking club. And if you go back and look at the rosters of their outings, you'll see the same names every single weekend of the year, all going out together hiking every, year, every week. You'll see, you know, Tuesday evening educational events and the same names there every day, every day that they had a meeting. So you had these really intense community connections, group outings, and as a result, there was a lot of volunteer capacity to build trails, to preserve open space, to be those advocates to say, no, you shouldn't develop these areas, we want to maintain them, um, and to work with groups like the Game Commission to open up areas for hiking. And over time, uh, as hiking ironically became more successful, there became less and less of a need to have those really well-organized hiking clubs. And so just like a lot of voluntary associations over time, and Robert Putnam's written about this in um, Bowling Alone, which is a famous book about how after World War II, the idea of doing things together socially just starts to decline. Um, hiking was a victim of that as well. So the hiking clubs that might have had 300 members in York back in the early 20th century have, it still exists, but have dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. The membership has gotten older and older as younger people have failed to come in. And that's true across the United States and all these local hiking clubs. Um, and so as a result, you had the total number of hikers going way up, but you had volunteering and the community ethos around hiking go down and down and down further, which um, at the end of the book, I argue, is okay. It means that we have millions of people who you know, go out and use the Appalachian Trail every year, but very few of the people who use trails, use open space, hike, 
are now engaged in giving back to that community mm. through volunteering, through advocacy. Um, and so if we ever get to a point where, um, you know, we have these public lands that are going to be developed or we have the Appalachian Trail under threat, it's really tough to galvanize support when you've sort of treated trails as this thing you consume rather than this, this thing you produce. So um, There's an amazing book called um, Wilderness of the American Mind, mm -hmm. and in it he talks about um, how we, we wanted to go out in nature during this time period because it was an escape, but he said that we loved it to death mm -hmm. because we went out and we trampled over nature basically because everyone was running yeah. to it. Have you? What are your thoughts on York County and our hiking? Do you think that we've loved it to death or are we respecting it? I don't, I don't think we've loved it to death. I think there's spot parts of York County that are sort of at risk of being loved to death um, and certain trails. And I think that's just a, a factor of um, you know people not being aware of everything that the county has to offer. And so we reflexively go to the same places. Like, I love Pinchot Park, um, but Pinchot Park is one of the most heavily used parks in our whole county. And so you're going to see dozens and dozens of people if you walk on the Lakeside Trail on a given weekend. Mm -hmm. It's just a really popular trail. But if you go to Apollo County Park or you go to Route Rob Park, um, you're not going to see people. I hike there all the time and see nobody. Mm -hmm. So... I, I think, and even like Pinchot and those places that are heavily used, they're also well loved. I don't, you know, we're not really seeing those kinds of heavy use, but there are definitely places in America where we're seeing that, and you know, trails being a victim of their success and overuse to the point where some trails um, in southeastern Pennsylvania around Philly will get two million users a year on one little stretch of trail. Wow. So that becomes an issue of managing, you know, how much people. Love, love the parks. Yeah. yeah, that was a huge issue during COVID that mm -hmm. a lot of parks would just have to either shut down or limit how many people were allowed to come in, especially um, on narrow trails or dangerous trails, mm -hmm. because you can't have four or five people trying to cross paths at the same time, mm -hmm. yeah. and then a hundred other people coming up behind you. Well, that's, you're, and if, if you're not familiar with Silas, Silas works for the York County Economic Alliance, and he pretty much knows York, right? He's very in tune with everything in York County. Um, and so well, you could probably tell us a little bit about, I, I think I read a statistic that the rail trail went up by 250%. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's how yeah, many people COVID, were using right. it? From, uh, I guess it was May 2019 to May 2020, there was a 250% increase year to oh, year wow. on how many people are using the trail. The trail gets close to half a million users a year. That year, there was closer to 1.5 million oh, wow. users really? in York County. And that is not spread across all 26 miles. That's like concentrated on the northern extension, Brillhart Station. Yeah. And so there were times where trailheads were being overwhelmed, people were parking anywhere. And it really depends on what kind of, you know, a rail trail can, it's crushed stone. It can really absorb a lot of use. But some of our nature preserves and uh, Lancaster Conservancy, which preserves a lot of land in York County, has some nature preserves that have uh, globally rare flowers and, mm -hmm. and plants growing at them. So the idea of introducing, you know, 300% increase in use at a you know wildflower preserve starts to get really scary in terms mm -hmm. of the habitat actually being able to handle that. That's there is a particular trail that you probably know of where you can get um, pawpaws, mm -hmm. the native native fruit, and I'm not telling anybody because I don't want anybody to get my pawpaws. <laughs> so Silas, this was a part of your dissertation, and so clearly you spent a lot of time and a lot of eyes went on this, so we know it's been fact-checked, it's been published by Yale, um, and so to look at this, it's very easy um, to forget 
the amount of work that went into this. Did you ever want to quit? Um, I never wanted to quit, but I definitely thought it, I might never finish it. Um, it helps when you're being motivated by it being a dissertation. And <laughs> I went through graduate school with a lot of friends who didn't end up finishing or, um, you know, finished and published a dissertation, but never the dissertation sort of sitting on a shelf. And that's one thing I was really trying to work against. So that was my goal. And it was really fortunate. I had professors at Lehigh that allowed me to write the book in a way that it was readable because a lot of dissertations are set up not to be readable. They're for the 200 people that sort of are in your specialty of research. They're going to read it and you're not supposed to care if anybody else does. And my professors were like, well, this is a topic that has general interest and you're using um, primary resources and archives across the country that have in some cases never been explored at all before. So they said, write it as if you're writing a book, not a dissertation. And so that allowed me to, the day I was done with my dissertation, package it in a book proposal and start sending it to academic mm -hmm. presses. Whereas a lot of my friends and colleagues had to cut, you know, a thousand words or, you know, or not a thousand words, but, you know, like 10,000 words. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them are thousand page dissertations that you have to cut down to 300 pages. Right. And how do you do justice to your years of research and your thesis when you have to do that. Yeah. So they equated to killing killing your baby. <laughs> that feels that way. <laughs> yeah. And um, I have to give him a shout out. Adam Bentz, who works for the York County History Center, wrote an absolutely brilliant dissertation um, on immigration and, and some of the key players in immigration that were located in Pennsylvania but had national implications. It's just too long. And Adam, you know, has been challenged to like cut it down, make it book size. And so as a result, you know, I, I hope Adam comes through and, and, and figures it out and gets it published as a book. But that fantastic research will probably sit on a shelf somewhere mm -hmm. um, until people like you discover it and talk about it on the podcast and say, go read 1,200 pages yeah. <laughs> on Francis yeah. Walter. Yeah. 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 Adam, you're going to be our next interview. <laughs> so part of marketing the book uh, is the imagery and the cover art. So how did you choose that image for your cover? So um, that's a great question. And the sad thing about academic publishing and a lot of publishing with uh, you know larger presses is you don't get a choice about your cover art. You get influence over it. So the first couple options that Yale sent to me were, um, I didn't feel that great. They were sort of just like photo of a guy standing on top of a mountain. They weren't historic photos. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the one was like, well, we already have access to this photo because that's the big thing, having rights to the photo. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you have to pay a lot of money to get those rights. Uh, the one was like, well, we have the rights because it's one of the guys that works at the press. And I'm like, so I have a stranger just standing on the mountain. <laughs> so it just didn't have a lot of meaning to me. So I sent them like, you know, a bunch of the historical images. And the one that's on the cover is from the Green Mountain Club up in Vermont mm -hmm. who built the Long Trail, which was one of the first long distance trails in America predating the Appalachian Trail, influenced by the Horseshoe Trail, which is actually in Pennsylvania and links um, uh, northern Lancaster County the whole way to Valley Forge. Um, but I sent that to them. Fortunately, the University of Vermont has all these really high-resolution color photo, colored photos from the Green Mountain Club, like thousands of photos, and I sent them that one, and they sent back something that right away I was like, I love this. This is cool. great. Yeah. Um, but I... 
do worry what it would have looked like if I, because <laughs> they did say, here's your last chance to approve something, or we're just, or we're exercising our contract over this. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it really helps to be able to look at your book and be happy with it rather yeah. than, oh gosh, there's an awful cover. Yeah. <laughs> I thought there was a happy ending because if you would have been like, yeah, I, I didn't choose that and I'm okay. <laughs> because I think people do judge books by their cover, like, we hate to say it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I read this book before I knew who you were, or that I would end up knowing you personally, um, and one of the reasons I chose it is I liked the cover. <laughs> you know, like, when you're browsing through a bookstore or a library, you're drawn to the cover of books. I mean, it's true, and as a librarian, there's a joke that people will come in and say, I want the book with the blue cover, and you're like, well, which one? So, you know, it's nice when you have a really identifiable, you're like, I want the one with the guy on the Appalachian Trail. So one of our last questions would be, if someone um, picks up this book, what kind of York County history are they going to find? So you mentioned Earl Schaefer already, first Appalachian Trail through hiker, and um, there's a lot of Earl Schaefer in there. Not, not everything actually shows up in the book itself, but I did a ton of research on Earl. Um, right around the time that I was doing most of my research, the uh, Smithsonian's American History Museum was actually doing an Earl Schaefer show. Cool. Like they had acquired his boots, they had a, his journal, um, and so I went down and spent uh, quite a bit of time in the archives there, reading you know his journal, his poetry, um, as much as I could about Earl Schaefer, and he's such a pivotal figure in the book because he's sort of at that pivot point from hiking as a group to hiking as an individual, and he really invents the idea of long distance through hiking of trails, and this idea that you can go through a, your own personal metamorphosis from being out on the trail. You know, you've mm. talked about PTSD from the war, and that's true, and he really uses the trail, you know, like almost as therapy for himself. Mm -hmm. um, and that, Walking with Spring, the book that he writes about mm -hmm. his through hike becomes the Bible of Appalachian Trail through hikers to this day. Really, um, today even? Oh yeah, wow. it's, it's must read. Um, and uh, I also did a lot of research at the um, the History Center in the archives there because the York uh, Hiking Club has its archives at the History Center. They're really, really rich. They include things like membership roles from membership over a century. So you can see all these members that are have addresses in the city of York, and then in the 20s you start to see those those addresses moving a little further out, mm. and then in, after World War II you see those addresses throughout the county. So you're seeing like the suburbanization of hiking in America through the membership roles of the club, and there's just a lot of great stuff in there. The greatest part about hiking club archives are their little newsletters because they all have these like little Xerox newsletters and they all have like art, you know, and they all had cool names like the Happy Hiker and Aww. stuff like that. Um, I forget what York's is, but I should look it up. Yeah, they the, still put out a newsletter. Yeah. The, the modern York Hiking Club still mm -hmm. puts out oh, their really? monthly newsletter. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Silas, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I could talk to you for another hour. So. <laughs> and people can buy your book on Amazon? That's true, yes. Or in the York County History Center's uh, bookstore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's in the library system as well. Yay! All three. And if you're at the 83 Diner, just go up to his table and sign your book. Thank you, everyone.